Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, please open our hearts to receive this wonderful cameo of persistent, triumphant faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Recently, I had a memorable conversation with a Christian friend who was battling breast cancer. The cancer had returned for a second time, and she needed surgery. Afterwards, while she was recuperating, I visited her at home. She seemed at peace. In fact, she even had a certain radiance about her. I asked her, what do you think you have learned from this challenging experience? She confided, I knew I had enough faith to support my friends, but I didn't know if I had enough faith for me. Well, she's not alone. It's often quite easy to believe for other people, but for yourself in a challenging situation, it can be altogether another matter. The question I want to address is, what does enough faith look like, especially when we're in dire circumstances? How can we have enough faith? Today we look at a Canaanite woman who had great faith. Disciples were often rebuked for having little faith. The Roman centurion was rewarded for having such faith. But only this woman had what Jesus commended as great faith. What is great faith? In what did its greatness consist? Today we will look at three notable things about the Canaanite woman's achievement. As we look, let's ask ourselves, how would we respond if faced with a similar challenge. To appreciate her first achievement, we need to understand why Jesus went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus is in his final year of his ministry. The crowds are overwhelming. He has no privacy. His encounters with the Jewish leadership are difficult. In fact, Jesus has just rebuked them for their hypocrisy and nitpicking of the law at the expense of truly caring for their people. They're outraged, and Jesus is more than ready for a day off. He withdraws from Galilee into the northern region of Tyre and Sidon for the first and only recorded time into what we would call a pagan territory not really very far away, only a 30-mile journey from Galilee, but representing a getaway from the controversy and the religious critics. This does not represent a special outside mission to the Gentiles of the region. It isn't that. He's withdrawing for some rest, some quiet time. Even Jesus attempted to have a Sabbath rest. We know that. 
from the confirming verse in the parallel passage in Mark's gospel, which says he entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. This was a secret getaway. But his fame preceded him outside Judea. So the additional words in Mark tell us, yet he could not escape notice. Even the Gentiles there had heard of his miraculous power to heal. So into Jesus' precious day off intrudes a certain Canaanite woman. It's interesting that Matthew uses the term Canaanite to describe her. Mark calls her a Syrophoenician. It's the only time Canaanite is used in the New Testament. Calling her a Canaanite is like today calling a a Norwegian a Viking. To the disciples, the term means everything dangerous to the faith of Israel. She's a descendant of that race that the Israelites had failed to exterminate from the promised land. The point is, she is altogether an outsider. She represents all that is alien to the Jewish mindset. She is the worst of the Gentiles. We don't know how she heard about Jesus, but upon Jesus' arrival, marked account, again tells us that she immediately hears about him. Note the impact of someone's testimony of Jesus on another's life. She has a dire need, so her ears are particularly attentive. She hears of Jesus' miraculous healings, of those who are possessed with demons, that he could cast out spirits with just a word and cure all who were sick who came to him. So she decides he is the one she must see in order for her daughter to be healed. Only he has the authority and power to help her daughter. She must find a way to see Jesus. But Jesus is shut up away from her. She had to be fearful of interrupting such an acclaimed rabbi. But all of us who are mothers know a mother's heart. And her mother's heart was just not going to allow her to rest until she got in to see that great physician. She pushes herself forward and forces an entrance for herself. And as time would show it, eventually for the entire Gentile world, of which most of us are a part here in the church today. So the Canaanite woman's first notable achievement is she boldly pries open the door into Jesus' presence on his day off. The second notable thing about her achievement is that Jesus is otherwise engaged. Now by this, I don't mean he's having a nice quiet time with his disciples. But in a higher sense, that Christ's first and foremost calling as Messiah of Israel, was to the Jewish nation. From of old, the Gentile world featured in God's plan. As Isaiah proclaimed in today's Old Testament lesson, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, which means, of course, the Gentile world was to be included in God's plan of salvation. But, nevertheless, 
Christ's early life was spent for Israel. The Gentiles were in view, but Israel came first. So Jesus was actually here at this instant for Israel, not for the mission to the Gentiles at this particular point. He was otherwise engaged, we could say. As she enters the house, she comes in shouting. She is an uncouth Canaanite. But what she shouts is moving. Have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. She calls Jesus both Lord and son of David, indicating a faith. He is Israel's long-awaited Messiah. Such amazing words from a Canaanite. Words that few of his followers had ever uttered. Words recognizing his divinity and sovereignty and his power. And what does she ask for? Only his mercy. Mercy, his undeserved love and compassion for her daughter. The Canaanites' faith was remarkable and must have delighted our Lord. So what does he do? He does not answer her at all. Not a word. Complete and utter silence. He appears to ignore her. When your prayers are greeted with silence, do you become discouraged and give up? Do you think Jesus isn't listening to you? This woman doesn't hear no. She sees at least Jesus does not send her away. She continues to pray. The disciples are disturbed by her continual shouting and pleading and ask Jesus to send her away. There, get rid of her, will you? She keeps shouting after us, is an all-too-human response. They are more concerned about their needs than the need of this desperate outcast. The disciples' request sounds crude compared to the woman's request. Unlike her, they do not even address him as Lord. Have you ever allowed the unkind behavior of fellow Christians to dampen your faith? This woman refuses to allow them to inhibit her prayers. She persists with her Lord. Jesus then answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. To whom is Jesus talking? In his initial silence, could he have been wrestling with his calling? Is he questioning what to do? Punctuation was inferred, not written in Greek manuscripts. So it may well have been a question as Jesus mused out loud, Was I not sent only to the lost sheep of Israel? I think Jesus is consulting his Father's will. Jesus knew the scriptures that proclaimed the Father's love for all his children, Jewish and Gentile alike. It would be through Israel that the nations would be illuminated. Israel must be prepared first. But... Was now the time to open the door 
to the Gentiles. Jesus will be sure he has his father's response to the woman's need before he answers her. As Jesus consults with his father, the woman has time to say to herself, Jesus has come to my country. He did not say no when I asked him for his help. And when he did speak, he did not do what his disciples asked him to do. I'm going to try him again. Faith believes Jesus is good, even when reason is not so sure. She comes closer, kneels down, and begs, Lord, help me. Jesus responds to her with a very heavy rebuke. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Ouch! Dogs was a common word for for outcasts, the Gentiles, the people who didn't belong. He is saying in a confrontational way, I'm otherwise occupied. My mission just now is not to do with you, but to deal with my own Jewish people. Not only is it my day off, but at this point in time, the career, career structure that I'm set on just doesn't cover your case. This appears to be an astonishing way for Jesus to talk. What is Jesus doing? Rabbis were known to test the genuineness of the faith of Gentiles wishing to be incorporated into Israel. A rabbi was to test three times to be sure of a Gentile's faith. Having allowed the Canaanite woman to pry open the door, which protects his day off, having greeted her plea for mercy with silence, Jesus now tests her once again to see whether she can pry open the door, which for centuries has shut the Gentiles right out of God's ancient covenant with the Jews. If she can pry open this door of all doors, what a moment that will be in fulfilling the old prophecies about the light of Israel coming to the Gentiles. But can she do it? Does she have enough faith? Does she have the courage to pry open such a door? The door that opens to Israel's very own Messiah, the path of his ultimate calling as universal savior of the whole world. If she can do it, then it will be epoch-making in the annuals of the New Testament. If she can do it, she is opening a path that from Pentecost onwards will widen so that one day the Apostle Peter will say to Cornelius and his friends, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And then I truly understand that God shows no partiality. There is no one God does not want to have as a son or daughter. 
But will the Canaanite woman be able by her faith to penetrate the ancient barriers that over centuries preserved the old covenant seemingly just for Israel? She has one more hurdle to overcome, and it is this. Christ has all the answers. Here's the greatest teacher the world has ever known. She is certainly no theologian. Jesus was a master of debate. The scribes and Pharisees, experienced and learned as they were, tried in vain to trip him up with their questions. And they were no match for him. He could run circles around them all. Faced with Christ's questioning of her faith, she rises to the occasion. And this is her third and most notable achievement. What does she do? She outperforms the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. She answers in the only way possible to someone you recognize that has all the answers. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She accepts his authority. She doesn't argue that she's not a dog. She gladly takes the title. Charles Spurgeon preached her answer to Jesus this way. Yes, Lord, that is true. Lord, I am a dog. But Lord, I am your dog. And I'm grateful to be your dog rather than the devil's darling. Let me have the crumbs. I'll be blessed by any crumb you care to throw my way. If our Lord called you a dog, or maybe even something worse, would you acknowledge your sinfulness, your need of a Savior, and continue to seek his mercy like she did? Or would you quietly close the door in Jesus' face? This woman's precious response to Jesus has been immortalized in our prayer of humble access in the Eucharist when we pray, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. Her words of repentance and humility certainly must have been pleasant, pleasing to our Lord. Let's be clear. It wasn't her wittiness or her clever reply that was her salvation. No, it was her great faith, which consisted of her humble recognition that Jesus has authority over the whole world, all that is seen and unseen. Only heal he can heal her daughter. Jesus answers her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. And from this little incident, we see the beginning of an opening of a door to the Gentiles, which culminates in the cross and the train of events that took the message of God's love and redemption to every part of the world. 
This Canaanite woman is the foot in the door that lets us in eventually. Great is your faith, Jesus says, prying open a door with a triumphant and persistent faith when it is his day off, when he is engaged with Israel, and when he has all the answers as well. An awesome model of persistent prayer. We must allow this Canaanite woman to educate us today. If you think God is keeping you out, that God is keeping you at a distance, that he doesn't want to hear your prayers, it is not true. It just is not true. This story is the denial of it. From a woman who was quite obviously an outsider, we don't have to have great faith to pry open the door the Canaanite woman did. We need to just have enough faith to trust that the door is now open to us. Christ is beckoning to us all the time, beckoning to us just to have enough faith to come to him boldly and persistently, but humbly, always trusting in his goodness and great mercy, no matter what the circumstances might look like. Can you come close to him? The answer is, yes, you can. Amen.